So imagine God is playing in a key. Let's say God is playing in the key of C major. When we come and we play a complementary note, we end up, we feel like we're in harmony with the, with the tune, with the key of God. And so that's what examine helps us do. It helps us stop and go, where in my day did I feel like I was in harmony with the key of God? What brought me life? And then at the same time, where in my day did I feel like I was out of harmony? Where, where did I feel like, man, there was, I was resisting God or there was pain there or that was... And then we explore those as places of invitation where God might be leading us. Hello and welcome to The Follower Podcast, a place for honest conversations about following Jesus to the depths of his heart and to the ends of the earth. My name is Matthew Lewis, and I'm so glad you're here for this episode. Well, here we are at the final episode in our three-part series on prayer, friends. I hope that you've been enjoying it. Um, Last week, we looked at intercessory prayer with Jill Weber. Uh, This week, you've just got me. (laughs) So, uh, you know, no imports, no other voices. Unfortunately, uh, I led a session trying to give an an explanation or an introduction to the prayer of examine. And so uh, I, I am learning as much as anybody else in this. And so I hope that some of these thoughts are helpful for you. And the big takeaway for me would, that, would be that you and I are motivated and encouraged to enter into a life of um, intentional reflection and awareness of God's presence and invitations scattered through and, and knit into our everyday lives. And so I hope it's helpful for you. Uh, here it is, Matthew Lewis, with some prayer of examine discussion. We've been looking at the prayer of contemplation, a prayer form with different versions of that. Uh, then we just finished intercession uh, and different versions of intercession. And now we're moving to our final prayer form, which is uh, this idea of examine. To, of, of course, I think it goes without saying, but let me say it. Uh, these are not the only three prayer forms. <laughs> in the world. We just kind of picked three. Um, One of the goals that I'm personally working toward, uh, again, if you haven't read that Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, I would highly encourage you to read it. Uh, I'm personally working toward a kind of prayer rhythm in my day that is morning, afternoon, and evening. And my success percentages are um, uh, in and around the 70% success rate in my morning spaces probably around about 40 to 50 in my in my midday spaces and maybe around 60 70 in my evening spaces. So I'm getting there slowly, but that's the that's kind of what I'm building toward. And the reason is because I want to live my life in a way where abiding in God is the priority. So <clears throat> I don't know what kind of cultures you guys are accustomed to, but in my culture and and particularly my ministerial culture. So uh, the, the world I came out of in the in church world and ministry world, ultimately a day was successful based on its productivity. How much did I get done? And I am trying to change that conversation in myself to talk about whether a day was meaningful based on, on my awareness or presence to the presence of God. <laughs> That's that I'm trying to shift that question for myself. So I'm trying to move away from that was a good day because I was very productive. I feel like that's a very, um, yeah, I just feel like that's a, that's a story that we're living into that's not necessarily a Bible story. 
And I feel like another story is a better story is to say, when I come to the end of the day and I'm reflecting on my days, yes, that was a meaningful day because I was most present to the presence of God. I was present to his presence. And therefore that, that day was a meaningful day. And if I'm going to make that my metric, if you will, then I want to try and build into my day these anchor points, morning, afternoon, and evening, that can that bring me back because I tend to get distracted. So that's kind of what we're working toward. Cool. <clears throat> so when we're looking at the, the examine prayer, I want to do it through three lenses. I want to look at historically, uh, I want to see if we can't find a theological basis. So historical, theological, and then I want to speak sociologically. So what I mean by that is, how do we see this prayer developing through particular church history? Uh, where do we see uh, precedent for it or examples of it within scripture? And then why does it matter in the world today? Like, why is this a, a helpful practice for our souls? So, so we're thinking historically, theologically, sociologically. Okay, so historically, basically the examined prayer predominantly comes to us through the Catholic tradition as does a lot of contemplative prayer practice. Uh, you know, if you've read Richard Foster's streams uh, in, the, in the desert, he talks about how all the different expressions of church have something to offer to all the other different expressions of church. And the word-based church has something to offer. The spirit-based church has something to offer. The social justice church has something to offer. And it's all part of that church. And when we can uh, move away from an idea of resisting one another to an idea of embracing the best of one another, then the whole church gets strengthened. And he's got this quote, which I love. He says this, um, Our sovereign God is drawing many streams together that have been separated from one another for a long time. And then he says, It's like the mighty Mississippi that gains strength and volume as the Ohio and Missouri River flow into it and many other rivers flow into it as well. So it is in our day. God is bringing together a mighty Mississippi in the Spirit. So I just love that, that the, the whole church is getting stronger as all these different streams of church kind of come together and we start to find unity among each other. So I just say that because I know sometimes, uh, particularly in our kinds of circles, you start talking about something that comes from a Catholic background, and people sometimes have a few red flags or a few cautions around that. And I just wanted to say, uh, in my journey, I'm finding a lot of life in embracing the best of the different traditions. It's really helping me enter into a fuller, more real, more beautiful picture of Jesus. That doesn't mean I have to agree with everything in every tradition. Uh, I'm Pentecostal in my background from being a church planner, and I don't agree with everything in a Pentecostal background. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I think we'll always find things we agree and don't agree with but I think we can find beautiful things in the different streams. So, yeah, we just got to say the prayer of examine comes from uh, the Catholic tradition predominantly. It's about 500 years old and comes through a guy called Ignatius of Loyola. So he actually came up with this prayer practice. Now, he's a fascinating guy. He was a Spanish nobleman uh, born in around 1491, and then he went to war and when he was in war, his his leg got hit by a cannonball and got massively damaged. So that's a pretty intense story. I don't know if your leg's ever been hit by a cannonball before. but So this guy's leg gets smashed by a cannonball. Then he has to go and recover. So while he's recovering, he wants to read something. And he's looking for books basically on, on his day, how to date, because that's what he's really interested in, how to like charm ladies and how to 
how to be um, have charisma and all these different things. But none of those books are available. So the only books that he can find are books on the life of Christ and the life of the saints. <laughs> those are like the only books in this library in this house where he's staying. So uh, because he's so bored while his leg is healing, he figures, ah, oh, I guess I'll read these books. So he starts reading these books. And uh, it talks about how uh, he always had this desire to like follow heroes into battle. And then it talked about how, as he started reading the life of Christ and the life of the saints, he found heroes, but just for another cause. And so basically out of boredom and with nothing better to read, this man comes to like radical faith in Jesus <laughs> and uh, God is like at work in his life. Uh, and around 1522, he heals up enough to leave home and he goes on this pilgrimage um, and then he, he goes to this church and basically he leaves his sword and he takes off at the at this altar of the and in this church, he takes off all his his nobleman clothes and gives it to a poor person. And then he puts on like this really uncomfortable robe and sandals, and he commits his life to being a poor pilgrim. And then he goes from there to live in a cave for like a whole bunch of time. As you do, a lot of people did this. So, you know, if you ever get bored, uh, Giffins, you've got Table Mountain over there, just go find a cave, right? So he goes and he lives in a cave. And while he's living in a cave, he starts reflecting on his experiences and what has been stirring in him and why he's come to faith in this way and what God is speaking to him about. And in this time, he writes what has been called the exercises. And the, the Ignatian exercises have become like a discipleship program to people all over the world where you, you essentially, you can do them in 30 days. So you can go away for 30 days in a monastery somewhere in seclusion and just do the exercises. Or you can do them in like a live-learn experience where it's built into your life over the course of a year. Um, and essentially, it's like, it's really intense, deep prayer journey through the life of Jesus in the Gospels uh, with a whole bunch of other things. So Ignatius develops these things called the exercises. And one of the practices in there is this thing called the prayer of examine. Um, anyway, he comes out of his journey in the cave <laughs> and he feels like he wants to go back to school to be a priest. This is in around 1524 now, but he's he hasn't studied to be a priest and so he can't be ordained uh, in the church. So he goes then to study. And while he studied, while he's studying to be a priest, he starts sharing the exercises with his classmates. Like what he figured out in this cave, he starts sharing with all his friends. And they all start to be deeply, deeply impacted by this, this whole experience. And so that's when the society of Jesus forms, which is this, this order. So it's a recognized order. So if you understand anything about orders, real, real quick, orders are like small groups of people that give themselves to uh, usually a common life and shared vows. Okay. And so these guys give themselves to that. They're a recognized order. Um, and so Ignatius is their leader, and they commit themselves to poverty, chastity, and obedience. And it starts off with seven of them, and they go through these Ignatian exercises. And Ignatius says to these guys, he says to them, listen, in all the practices we, can, we do, I'm okay if you skip a lot of them. But the one thing you can never skip is the examine. You must do the examine. And the Jesuits would do the examine. Uh, twice a day. So they do it midday and they do it at evening. So they'd be reflecting on 12-hour periods of, at a time. And since 1540, where they had seven Jesuits, uh, there are now 14,440 Jesuits. 
as of January, January 2023. So that's gone from seven to 14,000. And these guys are all over the world. And then I personally know a bunch of people who are not Jesuits, but who have really been helped by going through the exercises and uh, and this examined prayer and everything that's built into that. So that's a bit of the history, just to give you a background when you're going like, okay, where is this examined prayer coming from? It comes from this guy called Ignatius, who basically reflected on his journey and then came up with this prayer practice, which has then been used in the church throughout throughout the world. And then you would be asking the question, which is a good question to ask, where do we see it in the Bible? Okay, do we see it in the Bible? Because we, because remember, there's a lot of Christ, uh, a lot of creativity within the practices, but at the end of the day, the goal of the formational life is to look like Jesus. That's the goal. We want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so, when when we come to our, our spiritual formation, we're not just picking and choosing any kind of practice that we feel like. We actually, we, we do have boundary and border around this. And so there's a lot of creative scope within the boundary and border of what we find in the story in the life of Jesus and in the scriptures that are about that life. And so we always want to be asking that theological question when it comes to our practices. So we learn a lot from history and we're, we're receiving what has been passed down, but also theologically speaking, where do we see this in scripture? Uh, now, the short answer is there's no passage or verse where you're going to find the examined prayer. Okay, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. But what you can do is you can find impulses that validate the practice of the examined through the scriptures. So themes and ideas within the scripture that that make sense as to why we would go, oh, the examined prayer is a helpful thing. Um, and I'll tell you about that now. So we're going to look at the examined prayer. Um, the examined prayer is uh, very versatile. So the examined prayer can be used in a lot of different ways. Uh, over the course of these three weeks in this rhythm, we're going to look at the traditional examine, which is the, the examine of conscience. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, conscience. Then we're going to look at a second examine, which is an examine of consciousness, which is more a discernment tool. And then we're going to look at the examine of gratitude. So these are creative spins on the same examine. And the reason I laid that out is because I want to give you just a biblical text for each one. So, so the examine of conscience is essentially, what you, think about the word conscience when you're doing something wrong and you say, oh, that, that, that moved my conscience. And so I felt like I shouldn't do that. So this is the traditional examine. And at a very base level, it's about us examining our lives so that we don't live on autopilot. And so, the, the, see, the truth about formation is we don't have a choice in our formation. We are being formed. The question is, what are you being formed by? And we are currently immersed and drowning in a world of powerful formation devices, strategies, techniques uh, to literally turn us into the perfect pro product consumer people. That, that's what we're being made for. And the challenge is that we don't we don't set out to live our lives without intention. We do this accidentally, mostly because a lot of us, as we've described, are just trying to survive. We're just trying to get like our kids 
through school or just get ourselves through work or like deal with our own issues. And so because of the fullness of life, instead of um, really thinking about and living intentionally into the life God has for us, we end up living on autopilot and we end up living reflexively. And then what's happening is we're, we're reading a scripture today, but then we're scrolling and binging on stuff tomorrow. So that's what we're trying to do in our life of formation is to be connected to reality while we're drowning in unreality. Make sense? And the more we can be connected to reality, the more we can start to look like that reality. And so the examine is a powerful tool because the examine is all about reflection and awareness. That's what it is. So it's, it's a prayer where we literally do what the name says. We examine our day in partnership with God. And so whether you do that in the middle of the day or you do that in the, in the evening, whatever. But the point is that we come before the Lord. We pray. We ask the Lord to give us light to, because we're trusting that the Holy Spirit has things that he wants to share with us. And then we, we run through our day. And, and a helpful way to imagine this is imagine if you're sitting on a couch and Jesus is sitting next to you and then you had a TV in front of you and your day is playing on that TV and you're watching your day with Jesus next to you and you're paying attention to what has happened in that day or that week or that month or in a particular situation, however you're applying the examine principle. And the idea around the examine is that it gives us an awareness of God at work in our lives. So it helps us come to terms with the fact that, man, we are living on holy ground. Or oh, there's that beautiful phrase, the bush is always burning. Yes. And every common bush is ablaze with the glory of God. So we're always in the presence of God. God is always reaching out to us. But so often we're living on autopilot. So we don't recognize God's movement and his action in our life. So then we live accidentally into somebody else's version of who we are supposed to be instead of living intentionally into God's invitations and the life he has for us. So the, so the examined prayer is a helpful practice around awareness. And, it, and the three areas of awareness that we're going to speak into are, the, number one, the examine of conscience. So Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God. Find if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting, right? We, we, we know that we all have sins that we do on the surface. These are like obvious sins. So uh, depending on your cultural context, like swearing, smoking, sleeping, you know, sleeping around, all the, all the big sin issues. But that's just the beginning of our journey into Christ-likeness. And actually some of the, the, the sins or the bent out of shape soul issues of our lives are very deep things that we won't actually come to an awareness of or be able to enter into healing with unless we give time to acknowledge those things. And so this is where Socrates say, says like a wasted life is an unexamined life when we're just going from one thing to the other. But what the examine does is it stops and it, it pauses and it helps us really consider, God, I want, I want to bring all of the broken pieces of me into the light of your grace. And I want to find invitation into deeper and deeper healing. Does that make sense? So that's the one level, this examine, examine of conscience. And then the examine of consciousness is, is, a, is a discernment tool, actually. So it almost takes the traditional examine a little bit deeper. 
And it says, okay, now explore your feelings and emotions around experiences within the day. So where did, and this is what we were doing a little bit in our conversations today. Where did you find life? And where did you find resistance or pain? Where was there a lack of life? And Ignatius actually uses the language of consolations and desolations. So where in your day was there consolation? What brought you alive? What, what, what like made you feel the awareness and the nearness of God? So, you know, like when you're playing a chord on a piano, let's say you've got three notes. You, if you want to play a chord, those chords have to be in harmony with one another. And when you play out of harmony, that's when we call a dissonant note. Now it sounds, it doesn't sound like it fits. So imagine God is playing in a key. Let's say God is playing in the key of C major. When we come and we play a complementary note, we end up, we feel like we're in harmony with the, with the tune, with the key of God. And so that's what examine helps us do. It helps us stop and go, where in my day did I feel like I was in harmony with the key of God? What brought me life? And then at the same time, where in my day did I feel like I was out of harmony? Where, where did I feel like, man, there was, I was resisting God or there was pain there or that was, and then we explore those as places of invitation where God might be leading us. Okay. So there's a consciousness and awareness of God there. And that's, uh, I, I think of Acts 17, 28, when Paul is talking and he's talking to the guys in, uh, in Greece and he's saying, you know, you guys are very religious in every way. There's idols all over the place, but I found this altar to an unknown God. And I just want to let you know who this God is. And then he goes on to say that this God is the God in whom we live and move and we have our being. And so we are living and moving and having our being in God. But a lot of the time, we're just not aware of it. And so we end up living past God. <laughs> yeah. So the examine helps us slow down, and become aware of the God in whom we live and move and have our being. And then finally, uh, the examine of gratitude. Uh, I think about uh, Psalm 103, where it talks about uh, don't forget the many benefits of the Lord, right? Don't like there's something really helpful in cultivating gratitude. And even just at, uh, at a neurobiological level, we know that a gratitude practice it can help us work against anxieties. We, we know that it can help, help us in places of depression. So we know that uh, because of neuroplasticity, building pathways of gratitude, becoming aware of the goodness that we re we've received by the grace of someone else and allowing ourselves to be grateful for that does a work in our mind. And so, so that's where I can see some biblical grounding for it. And then, as I've said, like all these things in terms of how this works out sociologically, I think that gives us a sense of where so many of us are in the world at the moment, rushed, living on automatic, living reflexively. And there is, I think, a real danger in the church, and we see this, is that in trying to reach a culture, if we're not thoughtful and intentional and, and reflective about ourselves, we start to look more like the culture. And then we lose our prophetic voice in that space. And so what does it mean for us to live at the pace of the Spirit and be consciously aware of God's invitations to us? Um, and then this gratitude hit thing, here's a little uh, quote I wrote, which I thought was so helpful. That gratitude is associated with personal benefits that was not intentionally sought after, deserved, or earned, but rather because of the good intentions of another person. 
Isn't that like a perfect description of the gospel? <laughs> right? Gratitude is associated with personal benefits that was not intentionally sought after, deserved, or earned, but because of the good intentions of another person. So when we just think about God and what God has done in our lives and who Jesus is to us, we didn't earn that. We didn't even seek it out. He sought us out. But because of the good intentions, God has good intentions for us of God. We have reason to cultivate gratitude in our deepest soul. And I think the examine of gratitude is a way for us to do that. Well, that brings us to the end of our three-part series on prayer. I hope that you found it helpful and uh, enjoyable. Um, As always, like, share, subscribe, leave a review, uh, do all the things that helps us get the podcast in people's ears. If you like what we're doing here uh, and would like to see us make more content like the podcasts or the prayer focuses or other practice focuses, um, then please consider a a once-off or ongoing financial donation. It really helps us keep doing the work. And you can do that at www.wearefollower.com. This will be the last of the follower podcast episodes for this year. We're heading into Christmas and uh, my prayer for you really is that you wouldn't miss Jesus in the midst of all all the Christmassy stuff. You know what I mean? That we wouldn't get so caught up in Santa Claus's reindeers and sparkling lights uh, and gifts and all those different things that we miss God Emmanuel, the great miracle that we really are remembering at this season. And, And I hope that you create enough space in these weeks building up to that day so that when you arrive at the 25th your soul is ready to celebrate um, everything that jesus has done for us and everything that he is to us and really the the miracle of god with us and not just any god but the kind of god who meets us as a refugee in a manger and calls us to that upside down kingdom that doesn't look anything like uh, the kingdoms of our world and so praying that for you, praying that for me, that we would guard our time and our souls so that we arrive at Christmas uh, with an appropriate sense of sacred, holy awe. Um, And then 2024, can you believe it? Looking forward to everything God has for us in the new year. Um, Have a good one, friends, and we will see you next year.